All right, you're telling me you could teach anyone how to sing. Yeah. You can't teach me. I, I, I can't sing. You can do it. I'm not even interested in singing, but... It'll make you feel good. Watch. You ready? Yeah. Give it a try. I'll, give, I'll, give, I'll give it a try. Right. I'll give it a try. All right, you know the song, Smile Though Your Heart Is Aching, right? Smile, right? Smile. smile. All right, give right. it a try. Now yeah. take a breath. You are going to love this video and our special guest, but first, subscribe to the button below. Help us on our mission. We want to rip 10 million people off couches. You know lots of people that are laying on couches. We need your help. Please help us do it. Click, rip some friends off couches, and give us a comment and tell us whether or not you like this. We are oh, here la, 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 in Pittsfield. Show tunes today. We are not winning any Tonys for that no, one. No, no, no. Right. We, we, it's not so all about got, winning. We've got Dr. Johnny, we've got Sephra Lula. We've got uh, Colonel Brilliant. Nye, and I am here, Joe D, and we are gonna talk Not to Joe Jerry Zachs. And Marion. And Marion, Tony Award winner. Marion. Um, tries to teach me how to sing, which could never be done, but um, guys, full never energy. Never, yeah. And you know what? What would I ever learn? This is what I said to myself. What, what could I possibly learn? What would be interesting about somebody who puts on plays uh, on Broadway, and I was actually surprised. I'm pretty impressed. Real, that's, yeah. a, that's a very <laughs> cultural thing. <laughs> what could possibly be interesting well, on Broadway? No, I don't no, know. No, that's just, It's just not something I grew up around. I, I grew up in a different kind of place, and it just wasn't something that I thought was going to be interesting, and I was actually blown away. We are here on Broadway, Spartan Up Podcast, with four-time Tony Award-winning director, Jerry Zachs. And, um, and, and you did that all before you were 40 years old? You know, I, I, it, it's like doing the math is like the first test that I failed just now. No, I, I was, um, yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think it was pretty much around the time I was 40. I didn't start directing until I was about 30 because I'd acted for 10 years. You were in Greece. You were in the I first was in Greece. production of Greece. And what year was that? 73, 74. 1973, you were in Greece. And you played John Finicky. Travolta? No, no, no. Now, John Travolta is yeah. in that production. In your production, the one you were in. Correct. He okay. was 18 years old, and he played Duty. Wow. And I played Kinnicky. That's when we met. And, uh, yeah, I did that for 10 months on the road, 10 months on Broadway. I loved acting, but I loved directing more. So. And how, how, do you, how does a, um, an actor make the switch, right? You're working every day as an actor. You're watching what the director's doing. And I, I've always made assumptions about that. How does Angelina Jolie go from acting to directing? You, how do you go from acting to directing? One day you get up, fed up with not being in control. If you've got an inclination to being a control freak. Right. Or you've been talked to by too many people who don't know what they're talking about. Right. And you think, and then you try it. If you look, I was lucky. I was, I was involved with a little uh, off-Broadway theater troupe, Ensemble Studio Theater, where I acted, and somebody suggested I direct a play, which I did there, and I loved it. I loved being able to orchestrate the life between the actors, and I found out that I was pretty good at it, and I loved not having to be on stage or go to the theater every night. So that's how it, the transition began. Huh. Yeah. And, and um... And the great thing, forgive me, the great thing about being a director as opposed to being an actor is you, you, it doesn't matter what you look like. As an actor, you know, the casting. And you got to keep it up. You got to keep it up. And if they need a six foot three guy and you're five seven and you say, I can play six three, someone's right. going to say, no, you can't. So there's an, that's interesting. There's an, there's an example of an obstacle you may not be able to overcome. 
Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. You're, you're, not, you're not 6'3". No. No. And nor am I a leading man. In my heart, I am. Right. But, you know, New York, Hollywood, thousands of actors, directors, producers can pick exactly what they want and what, they, what that person should look like. So you, don't, you only have so much control. You, you're doing it, which is sort of an ultimate control, but you're not putting the pieces together. Would our Spartan philosophy say that you just need to go find the roles that you fit in? Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Don't fool yourself. And, and you, yes, you locate those opportunities, and then you make it life and death. You either, it's either life and death for you, you know. You gotta be crazy to go into the theater. No one is gonna encourage you to do it. Your, your parents, unless you're really lucky, are certainly not. Mine were Holocaust survivors, so they thought I'd lost my mind. They thought I'd thrown away a good college education. But I fell in love, Joe, you know? I, I well, the love. second half of this podcast, we're gonna talk about the Holocaust the survivors, because I'm really interested in that. Sure. Um, but I guess you're right. I guess I, I wonder what the statistics look like. I wonder how many people attempt to be actors or actresses and how many actually become that, right? So I guess the odds are really against you that, that you're going to end up anywhere in this industry. They're really against you. When I audition actors for parts in shows I do, I'll see two, three hundred actors for a part. And that part might be a few minutes. Yeah. A tiny part. That's, that's right. Two, three hundred. That's right. And, you know, only one of them is going to get the job. Who you know? gets the job? Is it the guy or the girl that works harder? Who's, who gets the job? The one that makes me fall in love with them. Right. Not, you know, I'm talking right. about I fall in love with... Personality. What, the personality, the talent. Right. I believe them. Right. I believe them. I'm moved by them. Right. I care about them. And if that happens for me, then it's going to happen for an audience. For the audience. Yeah. Describe that a bit. How, how it's, it's, if it's, you're giving advice to somebody because, because that actor or actress that, that you choose out of the 300, that's the same thing that's occurring at a job interview yep. or in front of a big customer if you're running a company. Yep. What, what is the attribute that that person has sitting across from you that gets you excited? The person, it's talent translated into behavior that is going to make me not forget that person. Everyone's coming in the door and singing a song or reading from a script, and I'm sitting and listening. When I would audition as an actor, I would create little plays. I, I, I remember I would, I, would, I would work on my performances so that once I can remember auditioning for Neil Simon, and I, st I sang, smile though your heart is aching, smile even though it's breaking, and in the course of the song, I turned him into a Nazi. Smile though your heart is aching, smile even though it's breaking. Then there are clouds in the sky, you'll get by if you smile to your feet. And so on and so They were rolling. Neil Simon. And then at the end of the song, I come back to that simple little guy at the beginning. Love it. And it was appropriate for the part because I knew what the play was. Right. And when I left, you know, I knew that I had made Neil Simon and Manny Eisenberg and the director, Bobby Moore, laugh. Laugh hard. Right. It was a comedy. And so, you know, you, 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 you have to take a chance and, make, and do something that will make them to remember you. I once had an audition for a, 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 a theater company, summer theater companies, and they said, do one Shakespearean piece and then do anything else you want. So I did a speech from Twelfth Night, and then I dropped to my knees and I sang Mammy. Nice. <laughs> nice. Now, they're going to remember me. Right. 
But the reason, you know, yeah, it's a good you idea. You took the extra step. I took a chance because right. my life depended on it. Right. You, know, you wanted it I'm as bad as... I'm not exaggerating. Right. That's how much... That's you how much you wanted it as bad as you want to breathe. I wanted it as much as Bill Belichick wanted to win the Super Bowl. Right. Or Bill, Bill Parcells wanted to put together a team. How do we teach that? How do you teach that to people? Because I feel like it's so simple. You That's know, what the whole podcast is about. It's so simple. I, I, you know, it, it's like, why do you do what you do? I mean, I've read just some of the physical things that you've done. You know, They're all stuntmen. Yeah, 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 yeah. You can't, you don't, how do you, how do you teach that? You either have the desire to go for it, and even the desire is no guarantee that you're going to succeed. I mean, you know, but it starts with how important it is to you. I remember going up to Dartmouth College, where I graduated from, to interview young people, right? 20, 30 young people. And they had question-answer session. And one of them, one of them asked the right questions. One of them really made, made it clear that it was important to him and that he wanted, he wanted it badly. You could smell, I could smell it. You, you, you can tell. Sure. That's a kid who just directed the um, Carol King musical, Beautiful. I took him to, I brought him to New York as my assistant right after he graduated. He spent two, three years with me. He's got talent, but he needed to do it. He needed to do this, this endeavor more than other people. Yeah, you right. Know, I just, right. And I don't know how you teach it. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't. That's I don't. the $64 million question. How do we, how do we um, put a spark inside of somebody? I mean, part of the Spartan race exists for that reason, right? Maybe if we put them under barbed wire and we throw them over walls and, and not unlike uh, military training. You know, someone to tell somebody you're not working hard enough. Right. You think you're working hard enough, but you're not working hard enough. You need that, you need that drill instructor. I mean, Okay, in, in let's, take, let's take one more step. So you do that like I've done my whole life, you piss off a lot of people. Well, You piss off a lot of people, yeah. right? Because yeah. I'm, I'm trying to win the Super Bowl, and I don't even know if these guys want to play football. That's right. That's right. Yeah, so you run the ri- So, so you don't give a sh- you don't, you don't care. You can cur- I think well, you can curse. You, you, you don't, you don't, so you ultimately have to make being liked not as important as, as, as you know, as, as winning as right. accomplishing the objective, right. you know, and you need someone with the guts to tell you that you're not do- you think you're doing enough, you're not doing enough, you could be working harder, right. you know, and, uh, and, and you can't worry about pissing people off. It's been, a, it's been tough in my life because I want to be liked, you know, I mean, I, I like people who like me, but sometimes, you know, I, you know I'm, I'm working on a bunch of new shows now and, you know, you just have to, you, what you have to do is protect the possibility of a happy ending as long as possible. Right. My happy ending is success of a production. Right. So rather than get pissed off at somebody who is in my way, you know, first of all, I'll never embarrass anybody, so I won't do it in public. Right. You know, but I'll take them aside and I'll, and, and I'll say, you know, you're not, it's, it's not good enough. Or, 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 or I'll be more specific as to what it can be. But I'll try to motivate in, a, in private because I, you know, I find embarrassing someone totally pointless, which is to say correcting them in a way, you know, you, you know what I mean. Sure, that, that, sure. that humiliating somebody, in, in, at least in my business, uh, doesn't, it hasn't netted really good results. You no. know? Getting people to pretend it was their own idea is fantastic. That's a good strategy. one. Yeah, that's oh, a good yeah. One. You know, 
coming in with a battle plan yeah. and, and saying, I don't know, why don't, you, why don't you try this? Having thought about it the night, you know, sure. so, so you've got you to just be more prepared, more dedicated. And take willing, the extra and, step. And you've got to be willing. I don't know how you teach somebody willingness to take a chance. I don't know how you do that, you know. I mean, those auditions I cited to you. you know. Well, I think the second half of this podcast, I, 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 I'm going to suggest what I think will help people learn how to take a chance. Let's. Right. Why don't we take a break? I'll learn how to sing. You learn how to do burpees. <laughs> I do that. Sure, burpees. Yeah. Singing. No. If I'm going to do singing, you can do burpees. All right, good. I hope you're not sitting still while you listen. If you are, you better get a burpee break in. We are back and we're going to talk about blood on the lip. So we're trying to find and trying to teach people um, how to have that drive and determination. You mentioned your parents were Holocaust survivors. Yeah. Clearly, surviving that, nothing's getting in their way. That's correct. Nothing, right? That's correct. They had a ferocity, ferocious will to live and they were lucky, right? They were, you know, they were lucky they weren't killed. Yep and a ferocious will to live. My mother spent a year in Auschwitz and managed to survive, barely. My father jumped a train with six other guys. Were they husband and wife? They were. They were. Oh, they they were. ripped apart after they were married. And my father escaped and ran from the Nazis for three years, different jobs, different identities, always staying one step ahead. While his wife, While was, his wife was in Auschwitz. And he, didn't, and he didn't know she was there. He knew she was there. He didn't, they, there was no way for them to communicate, communicate. with each other. Right. But there was, a, there was a network of communication that, right. you know, she had heard that he was alive, right. but that forget about him, he's off running around, you know, right. I mean, it's all. And then the basic thing of just staying alive. The point is I was born in Stuttgart. They were yep. reunited, she survived, he found her. Yep. I was born in Stuttgart. And basically, I grew up in, in... Were you born nine months to the day after they met? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's an interesting question. It is an interesting question. You know, they, but my mom just passed away at 96. My dad's been, you know, passed away quite a bit. So I don't know, but I can... I'll ask you got to find out. That's I'll important. Ask, well, it's great, you know. I wouldn't be... You know, I wouldn't bet nine months because when he found her, she was 85 pounds. And right. on death's door. Right. So I think it would probably she had a, a, she had a beef up she a had bit. To come yeah. On. yeah. You know. She, yeah. And then. And <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Uh, so so you, are you the younger or the I'm older? The older. You're the older. So yeah. you were you were first. First born. Is, born do you have born. more veracity than your brother? Uh, uh, I have more terror than my brother. Is he is he laid back? Absolutely. Or? You know why, right? He, he, they could just came out of that. They were yeah, right. That's you were, right. Yeah. Uh, he, he was born in the Bronx. Yeah. And they had been. They had been. They they had survived. No, I was the first. I was the. You were the bulldog. Yeah. And I was the miracle child. Right. You know. So the price you pay for that is, they they scared me to death that there was a Nazi around every corner. Right. So I grew up as a fat, overprotected, unathletic kid, who was really smart and really popular and always scared that somebody was gonna beat me up or right. that there was a Nazi around every corner. This is a work in progress. Right. I think having to over- Yet you were born in Germany. That's right. Yeah, right. Oh yeah, yeah, you know. Right. So, you know, uh, and, and that's the way I was until I went away to college and then all of a sudden I found a life and I, I fell in love with the theater. And then I went to grad school and I said, okay. Now, and I had, oh, I had my first, well, motiv you talking about motivation? Yeah. I, I had to take a dance class in tights with women. 
and I was 175 pounds. Wow. Right? That was September. And Dartmouth. No, this is at Smith now. I'm in grad okay. school, right? Okay. And I'm dancing. And between September 7th. What year? What year? This was 1969. I was born in 69. <laughs> <laughs> You're in tights. <laughs> I'm in tights. I'm in, in diapers. Embarrassed. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm uh, embarrassed. And uh, yeah, you know, and, and between that, the beginning of that term and Thanksgiving, I lost 40 pounds, was able to do three sets of 95 push-ups. Nice. I spent hours in, in this dance studio by myself, and I was... Everyone thought I was, everyone felt sorry for me, my family. Because they thought you were just- I was oh. throwing my life away. Right. And I was the happiest guy in the world. Right. You know, that's uh, where I started to dance and- Because they, they, wanted, they wanted to see you doing what? Doctor, they lawyer? They wanted me to have a profession. Right. A profession. You know right. what I mean, Joe? Uh, uh, You'd be a doctor, a lawyer, an engineer. Right. A profession, have a profession. You're going to Dartmouth. It's the most expensive, anyway. So that was... <laughs> how did they pay for, how did you cover Dartmouth? You know, um, I, 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 my father, he helped out a little bit. I got loans, I got a scholarship after I got there. Nice. I got, uh, I, I worked at the hospital because I was pre-med. Yeah. So I worked drawing blood from, from people. I worked nice. in the kitchen. Oh, so you went in pre-med. You, 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 yeah. you wool over their eyes, the parents' eyes, and then... And my own, you and know. And your own, right. And then I saw a show. Right. It, at, while at Dartmouth? At Dartmouth, with a blind date, Winter Carnival. And you fell in love with her? I, not with her. No. No, <laughs> with the show. Yeah. And everything, and it was like, and I couldn't quite believe what had happened. But then I started acting, and I loved that. And then pretty soon it helped, I had an identity. People would know me as the guy who emceed all the big shows at the, you know, at right. the Hopper, was acted in this, and right. it, was, it was great. And then, and then the moment came when, you know, what am I gonna do after? Right? All right, I'll apply to law school because that's a profession. Right. And I applied to three law schools, you know, got into all of them, and then at the last second went to Smith at graduate school in the theater. And where I lost 40 pounds, started to dance. Anyway, I'm, am I rambling on a little no, too much? No, anyway, not at all. Not at all. I don't know how you teach dedication. I don't need commitment, I don't, right? Dedication, motivation, and perseverance. Not, yep. How many, how many doors did you knock on before you finally? Oh, it, the, a, a lot. A lot, you I mean, know. And Thomas he, Edison, thousand light bulbs before you go into work, right? Right. And remember that nobody owes you anything. It's a lot of people who come. That's like, a tough one. That's a tough one. No one owes you anything. I gotta make a T-shirt that says that. Nobody owes you anything, you know. Right. And if you can just, you know, that's a. If you could just remember that, right. then you never take anything for granted. granted. You never stop yeah. working, you know. So, yeah. I, 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 you know, I wish there was a way to wave that magic wand and impart that desire, but people think. You know, unfortunately, there are too many young, attractive people who make it in television for no particular reason. Now, with reality television, you don't even need any talent, particularly. Right. You know, and some people get fooled by that. But and then you get this guy who just wrote Hamilton, this Lin Manuel Miranda. You know, he wrote the he wrote the book, he wrote the music, and he's starring in it. Right. And it took him years. You know, so he's talented. He's he's got committed. It's just. Commitment. I'm rambling. Commitment. Yeah, so, no, 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 I like so, it. So, I, I, you know, uh, uh, um, anyway, you know, that's, uh, I'm, I'm just thinking back to the Holocaust and how it's always been. No, the no, Holocaust is on my mind. So how do we, um, an old timer once said to me, um, one of the things you'd have to do to really get this country back to being, you know, 
ferocious, as, as you mentioned, is you need a good old-fashioned depression or something where people go, not that you'd want that, but where people have a frame of reference like your parents had that said, um, nobody owes me anything. No. I'm just happy to be alive. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. I, I think a lot of people don't appreciate how great it is to be alive, you know yeah. what I mean? But they just assume it's gonna be this way forever. I don't know, I was lucky to fall in love with something. Yeah. That I just- And it drove you. Know, yeah, and I love it as much today as I did, you know, 30 years ago, and I'm working just as hard on it, you know? Yeah. I mean, you know, it's-, it's uh, What's your favorite exercise? You know, uh, 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 you mean physical exercise? Yeah, physical, now? yeah. I walk. You like walking? Well, I walk from 104th down here to 44th today. I walk to work, oh, nice. you know, and, and then I walk back if I can. Nice. Uh, I used to, I used to do more, but I like, I just like feeling good. Yeah. You know, I had a big sugar problem a couple of years ago. Scared Fixed the it. shit on. Five point nine, the A one C. You know, yeah. it was, and all of a sudden things get better. You what know? were you? What? Why'd you have the sugar problem? What were you eating or drinking? I was eating pure crap. Crap. Without it, without edit, without any mindfulness right. whatsoever. Yeah. So, you know, in tech rehearsals, and you're nervous, and yeah, the you're lighting, crap, and you're waiting. There. Yeah. There's M&Ms, there's... Yeah. Why do they do that? It's not no, just, it's, it's a Google, it's everywhere I've been. It's everywhere, the garbage. I think we need to mandate, I don't know how you feel about this, but I think we man, it's, it was not allowed to, you can't eat it. You gotta go to another planet for that stuff. I, it's not, I, it, you wouldn't get an argument from me, because right? I know the So difference. why'd they fight Bloomberg on it? Bloomberg, in case you don't know, listening, was the mayor of New York, and he said, uh, let's get rid of some of this crappy food and these sodas, and everybody was up in arms. Because they, they see it as, an, you know, as somehow a violation of the, the the, the free right, right to screw yourself up royally. And, then, and, and any regulation, I like regulations. I like rules. Yeah. I like structure. I mean, they could go too far. Yes, certainly, they could. Right? They Absolutely. can go too far. Absolutely. But, but, but telling us not to eat a bunch of junk food or smoke cigarettes or do drugs is probably not a bad thing. It's not because most of the people in the country make the don't, right decisions. don't get that sugar is really poison. It's poison. And I mean, you've, the, the smarter I people heard we eat on that. average I think 200 pounds of sugar a year. 200 pounds. Let me tell you, that one of the movies I saw on this, I think it was Jamie Oliver, the English guy, he was doing a lecture demonstration, had a wheelbarrow full of sugar, right. and he dumped it out on stage. Whether it was 200 pounds right. or 150 pounds, he dumped the whole thing. He says, that's what you, and that's, what, that's, that's how much you consume each year. Now let me tell you what it does to you. Right. So I'm a believer. I know that I love getting from point A to point B right. a lot more today than I did two years ago. Right. So, I don't know, it's all about, you know, putting, you know, I mean. Why don't we go eat some celery and go for a run or a walk? <laughs> <laughs> you're well, you're it's awesome. Good. It's good to talk to you. That was awesome. And good for you, and I hope, uh, you know, I hope you find the answer. We're, no, trying, we're trying to get to the answer. Yeah, anyway. We'll get it, we'll get it. Or we'll just move everybody that's not following what we're talking about to another planet. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think? I love Broadway. <laughs> what did you guys think? Do you like it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Spartan up the musical. Soon to hit the, the mean got, streets of Broadway. Kind of in shock there. Uh, you know, incredible story. Like yeah. th this guy, w what he was able to tell us about where he came from, what he did, and totally different story than some of the other ones. We've heard about people coming from nothing in a very unremarkable back upbringing, and this guy came out of some pretty incredible circumstances. I mean, his parents, right, escaped the Holocaust, jump on a train. Um, I, I don't know if I would have expected that a child of parents with that background to end up 
on Broadway, but maybe because it was dark and gray and, and they were so, you know, probably always looking around the corner and, and nervous and protective and maybe, I don't know. What do you think? I see you well, smirking. Well, I'm just, I mean, because again, I, you're I visualizing be, me in tights. Yeah. I'm, I'm visualizing again, your vision of probably Eastern Europe or something. I mean, right. obviously during World War II and the Holocaust, right. I mean, that, that is, you can't get much darker. I got it. But, but I, I don't think that people internally are dark because they're living through dark times. I mean, it's a perfect example. These people had a spirit, obviously, yeah. that that superseded the environment they were living in, and they were able to tra they were able to, to transport that. Is that the right word? Trans Trans transfer, yeah. transmute, trans <laughs> transfer uh, to, to their to the child. Yeah, and he used the, he used the term a ferocious will to live or ferocity. Yeah, ferocity. Yeah, yeah. Good one. We'll, we'll add it. I like the, I like the term ferocity, right? Because that's something we're constantly talking about here. Mm -hmm. If we're not using that specific term, mm -hmm. with Spartan up is is um, no matter who's successful has that ferocity. Is it ferocity? Ferocity. That um, that flame. Yep. Right. You can't even douse the flame. It's yeah. so strong. Yeah. Mm. Well, and it's funny well, when you talk about dousing the flame because he talks about um, lighting a spark in people. Yep. Right. And so here's a guy who um, he's come out of circumstances where he's let his own spark. But he's saying, you know, where he's been successful is he's been able to go and light a spark in people. And we've listened to other people um, in these podcasts who they talk about what inspires them to do the work they do is to be able to light a spark in someone else. So it really is a, you know, like the Olympic torch. It's a paying it forward, lighting it on, lighting it on. And um, pretty cool what, what we're doing. People. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. Right. Spartan, absolutely. Yeah. But we're, we're more like a, um, what would a giant firestorm be called? Oh. You're a flamethrower. <laughs> we're, we're, we're more like flamethrowers. Yeah, we're, we're more like a volcano. Yeah. Well, but, but, yeah, but, but there are fires. There are firestorms, though. Volcano. Yeah. You know, when the, when the wildlife, when the forests are on fire and you have that whole wall of fire coming out, I think it is called a firestorm. Oh. Yeah, sure, and that's actually sure. really good because there's a lot of um, trees and plants like pine cones that need <laughs> fire to open them up to germinate the new seed. It's actually like, and a lot of those ecologies need to burn. And our, since we build these McMansions closer and closer to the wilderness, yeah, yeah. we can't burn and, and that's actually destroying Yeah, but you're not them. revolutionary. You're not burn it to the ground, man, or any of that, are you? Woman, no. Yeah. <laughs> no. No, no, it's actually, it's really good because it clears out the understory. Right. It opens the pine cones, drops the seed. Any it's chance, a really beautiful any chance she gets is. in horticulture, she's jumping on it. We Absolutely. went from Broadway to pine cones. Blessing. Oh, well, ferocity. No, no, I actually went, we went from Broadway to Spartan to pine cones. There was a segue in there. No, so. but off camera, we talked about that fire in your belly and we were we were discussing whether you think it's innately there. If everyone has it, it just the, needs a... The, the, viewer, the viewers don't think we talk off camera. They think this is the only time we talk. You can't bring that up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It never There happened. is no off camera. So I'd like to we invite you gentlemen. Camera. I think we talked... Uh, a question. <laughs> fire in the belly. <laughs> what do you guys... I mean, I know we were talking about... Oh, I know. Well, we, 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 you're saying we're talking about does yeah, everyone have a fire in their belly? Yeah, and I think that's an interesting concept because I kind of think that they do. Just finding that I, I would think not, but after, uh, again, off camera, hearing Johnny's description, I, I guess it's there. It's whether it's, it's dormant. It's, yeah, it's dormant. Oh. I mean, I, I think that's like the, the best, that's the the best way. And again, I think it, it goes back to everything we've talked about, nurture versus nature and what people are exposed to. And it, so it's, it's, it's in there. It's finding it or being exposed to it or having the right mentor expose it, you yeah. know, and then ignite it. So The bellows. And it take and it takes for some people it takes longer. 
Yeah. Uh, Sign yeah. up for a Spartan race. You do three or four Bikram yoga classes. You'll start that spark. Go see a Broadway right there, right there. Right there. That, 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 what, what about Broadway? Got to take you back to Broadway, Broadway. and go see uh, Spartan yes. up the Broadway. <laughs> Spartan, <laughs> Spartan up podcast dot com. Right, right, right. Wow, very nice. <laughs> jazz hands in there. And hey, let, let's just let's cut there. Can't beat can't beat Zephyr on that one. Find show notes, audio, and video for this episode at SpartanUpPodcast.com backslash zero sixty seven. Or follow us on Twitter at SpartanUpPod. The Spartan Up Podcast is brought to you by Spartan. To find a race near you, visit Spartan.com. Spartan.